Uh, we're going to switch gears for a, a moment right now, though. We're going to talk about something. We've talked about this on the air before several times, cyber attacks and ransomware attacks, and, and the fact that we're seeing them more and more often. And in larger scale, you know, the last one actually affected an, uh, a service provider, so then it spread through to thousands and thousands of different companies all around the world. These kinds of things are going to continue. It doesn't seem to this point we've found an uh, effective way of stopping this. Uh, especially, you know, punishing the people involved. Uh, they make a lot of money off it, and uh, it's proven very effective to them. So we've had some governments talking about, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. One thing we need to look at, according to our next guest, is what we're doing to prepare, what we are doing to protect ourselves, uh, because that's something that we can do. Um, and a lot of different countries around the world handle it in a way that seems to make sense to me, but Canada doesn't. So we're going to talk about that now with Yuan uh, Stevens. Yuan is, just trying to find out here, Yuan is uh, Policy Lead on Technology, Cybersecurity, and Democracy at the Ryerson Leadership Lab at Ryerson. Uh, Yuan, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. So these these cyber attacks, this ransomware, we know that um, at this point, there's not really an effective means of stopping this, right? These are going to continue. It's going to be something that we're dealing with at least for the next little while, right? Yeah, for the foreseeable future, for sure. And to be clear, ransomware attacks are a type of cyber attack. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And and there's all, all different kinds, for sure. Um, now, mm-hmm. when we take a look at the way that they do this, it's basically going into a system and attacking through known vulnerabilities, uh, things that, you know, they can somehow work around and, and exploit to their advantage, right? These are vulnerabilities in the system, primarily. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that I don't talk about my work, but I think is really important, is to consider human vulnerabilities. So yeah. you think about, you talk to someone, you email them, you can you can indeed manipulate a person to think that your intentions are good. So I'm, you know, what I'm looking at in my work, which I'm happy to talk about today, is um, vulnerabilities in systems themselves. So computer code, protocols, that kind of thing. But one of the biggest sources of uh, attack in terms of cyber attacks and ransomware is the human side of things. So being able to manipulate a person. That will probably always be there, but there are things we can do when it comes to the computer code and the systems themselves. And that looks like letting people disclose these problems they find um, so they can be fixed before they're exploited by an attacker. Now, other countries have ways of doing this, right? They actually invite people to attack their system. This is something that happens in several other countries around the world, right? Yes, definitely. So the U.S. um, is uh, one of the most advanced countries in this regard. The the U.K. and the Netherlands are countries that, um, where their governments say, you know, there are good intentioned people here. We think that if you want to find something and if you see a problem that you think should be fixed, you can actually disclose that to us. So the U.S. has this as mentioned, and what that looks like is, let's say you're using one of the government systems and you say, hey, I can actually use a form and actually access information in a way that I don't think I should be able to. I want to disclose this so you can fix it. Um, many countries around the world, and we found in, in, in my research at the Ryerson Leadership Lab that 60% of G20 members actually facilitate the disclosure of these weaknesses, but Canada does not. What that means is that, um, you know, let's say you're using an Immigration Canada website or yeah. one of the systems, you're using CRA, you're not, it's not clear who, who you disclose this problem to, or what's going to happen. It's a bit of a... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Black box. And I mean, when you contrast that to the U.S., I mean, they actually came out with a program called Hack the Pentagon. They invited exactly. people to come in and do this. So they're actively seeking people to test their system and then report where the weaknesses are. Canada, on the other hand, has nothing like this in place, right? In fact, you can get in trouble if you hack a Canadian system. Exactly. Now, Canada's hacking law is actually very similar to the U.S. hacking law in many ways. But what Canada, um, well, what the U.S. has done that Canada's not is that they've They've instituted these processes, these programs like, you know, the Hack the Pentagon program that says we're going to work with hackers and we're going to invite you to, as, as you mentioned, test our systems to see where we're going wrong, to see what can be exploited. Um, what Canada has never done is never really made an open call working with hackers. They do work with hackers. We just don't know what that looks like. They work from them on, on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, one of the major problems is we don't know what Canada is doing. And of course, the reason you know they, you know, for example, the um, the communication security establishment, you know, they they want to protect their national security. Um, they have reasons for keeping some of this information limited, but there are, I'm sure, many bugs, for example, on Canadian um, government websites that um, exist and that can be exploited. But we don't know um, what happens if you disclose that, and you could indeed, um, you're discouraged. from doing that by our hacking law here in Canada. So what are we missing out on? Are there examples where the U.S. has done, you know, hacked the Pentagon or invited hackers in other cases where they've had um, potential vulnerabilities exposed and been able to deal with them before it ended up being some sort of malicious attempt? So here's the funny thing about working with security vulnerabilities is that a lot of the harm will be hypothetical. Um, Yeah, so what you do... Um, and when you know when you submit a, a vulnerability report, is you say here's how this could be exploited, in the Hack the Pentagon program and in many of the other programs that the U.S. government has used, they do indeed find thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of vulnerabilities that they wouldn't have found based on their internal security teams. I have to admit as well, one of the downsides of what the U.S. is doing is that it potentially can um, kind of make uh, sort of. It means that you can rely on there being vulnerable systems if you're just going to pay outside people to find that. That means that that maybe people who are doing work, if they're being paid, um, are in vulnerable working situations. However, I think that it is possible to work with hackers without having to sort of create a workforce and inviting them to disclose vulnerabilities as other whistleblowers. And whistleblower protection is really important for finding wrongdoing and finding examples of harm. Um, but yeah, indeed, these systems do find a lot of vulnerabilities. So are, are there cybersecurity experts in government that recognize they need to put in some sort of guarantees of no legal repercussions and make this, you know, are they are they working to move down this path towards where other countries are? That is a great question. I wish I knew the answer to that. What I know is that a lot of businesses are implementing these sort of programs that allow hackers to work, um, disclose these flaws they find. I have not yet seen an indication that there are people in the Canadian government who understand that this is one key solution. However, there is actually a vulnerability disclosure um, process with the COVID alert app. It doesn't include any sort of promise that you won't be found, you know, liable under criminal law um, or 
all the other laws that could apply. But COVID Alert app, thanks to people who um, helped lead the charge with that app, um, does indeed allow you to disclose flaws, and that's a great first step, and I want to see more of that in Canada. Yeah, it seems to make perfect sense. Jan, thanks so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Happy to speak. It's Jan Stevens, uh, who's taking a look at you know what Canada's doing and maybe should be doing in order to deal with this ongoing cybersecurity situation. She's the policy lead on technology, cybersecurity, and democracy at the Ryerson Leadership Lab at Ryerson.